0: Welcome to day two of our look at Philippians chapter three in Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're looking at verses seven to nine today, and uh, Pastor Buddy Owens is with me today also. We're gonna be looking at these verses together. These are verses that are about how to have joy in your accomplishments. And Paul in verse seven to nine talks about the fact that if you're gonna have joy as you look at the things that you do and can do and don't do in your life, you gotta turn your thinking upside down you've got to begin to think in an entirely different way. And he uses a sort of kind of an accounting mindset here as he talks about considering your profit-loss. In fact, we're going to talk about two things in these verses today. You've got to consider your profit-loss, and you've got to count your loss as gain. Buddy, it's sort of a, a, a profit-and-loss statement on his life.
1: Yeah, and I, actually, I like your phrase about upside-down thinking. That's really what this is. First, Paul says, consider your profit as loss. In verse seven, he writes, but whatever was to my profit, he's just in the previous verses talked about all of his great accomplishments. And now in verse seven, he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He's got a whole new value system here. It's like having two sets of books. There's our set of books and then there's God's set of books. And yesterday we looked at Paul's set of books and he came to see that God had a different set altogether. You know, some companies keep two sets of books, and that's against the law. That'll get you into trouble. There's one set that's really what's happening, and then there's another set that's just a lie. And Paul said, you know what I learned? I learned that the set of books that I was keeping, of all of my values and all the things I thought were important, I learned that set of books was a lie. Because when I added it all up, and when I got to the bottom line, it did not add up to joy, and it didn't add up to hope, and it didn't add up to life. You see, Paul had been using the wrong measuring stick. It's like using a yardstick to tell you how much you weigh. It's just not going to work. And he was using the law to tell him how close he was to God. And he realized that that wasn't going to work. He had to change his measuring stick. And you know, it's so easy for us. Let me personalize this. It's easy for me to hang on to my life. And to miss out on God's life. I so often hang on to some little achievement, some little accomplishment that I think is so great and important, something I've done, and by hanging on to that, I miss out on something great that God wants me to do. It reminds me of something I learned not so long ago in India about how to catch a monkey. Now, I know this is going to be really uh, applicable to our life here in the United States, but it's a great little picture how they catch a monkey. They take a gourd, and they cut a hole in the gourd that's about the size of a monkey's hand. And then they put some kind of a sweet little treat inside that gourd, and they hang the gourd in a tree, and then they wait until the monkey comes along. And when the monkey comes along and he smells whatever that sweet little treat is in there and puts his hand in that gourd, and he gets a grip on that treat, now his fist is too big to get back out of the gourd. And the strange thing is that monkey, even though he's risking his life, he will not let go of that sweet little thing that's inside that gourd. And because he won't let go, the people hunting the monkeys can just come and pick him up because they won't let go. And that's so true of so many of us. We get a grip on things we think are important. And because we got a grip on the wrong thing, we cannot get a grip on freedom. We lose our freedom. It costs us things we thought were so valuable, they wind up costing us everything. Because we can't get a hold of what God wants us to have. And
0: the truth is, those sweet little things we go after, they're not going to last anyway. Things in this world don't last. I've always loved what Jim Elliott said. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So you consider your profit loss, Paul says. But then he says, number two, you count your loss as gain. Let me read for you verses uh, eight and nine. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things and consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Count your losses gained, You gain Christ. Now, as Paul talks about this, he says, I, I considered everything a loss, I consider them, in fact, rubbish. Now, that's a very kind translation of that word. The word really means sewage. He's saying it's meaningless. It's nothing. In fact, it's even sewage compared to knowing Christ. I want to know Christ. And I think you, as you're listening to this, you're listening to this study in Philippians because you you want to know Christ. You want to get to know him better. But do I really see, I have to ask myself, do I really see that big a gap between the things that I try to do to accomplish righteousness and what only Christ can do. Gaining Christ or sewage, that's a pretty big gap. The key to joy Paul is reminding us of here is that everything else is worthless compared to knowing him. Here's one of the principles of joy here. That means I can lose any of those things. They're they're just garbage. They're just sewage. anyway. I can lose any of those things and I still have Christ. And that's what's going to last. That means no matter what I face in this world, I can still have joy because I know I have gained the only thing that's really meaningful, the only thing that is really going to last. Now, when we talk about gaining Christ, when we talk about being found in him, let's just get practical for a second here. Does this mean, if I really have a passion to gain Christ, does this mean that I should um, I should leave my job and just go sit on a mountain and get to know him? You might be driving to work right now and it might sound very attractive, Does that mean I should leave my job and just go sit on a mountain somewhere? No. No. You don't leave where you are. In fact, you don't have to leave where you are because he's already there. He is with you where you are. You get to know Christ in the midst of the realities of life. You don't get to know him by trying to escape life somehow. You get to know him in the midst of the realities of life. You gain Christ. That's counting your losses gain. And then, buddy, it talks about a second thing here. It talks about gaining righteousness. That's right.
1: Gaining righteousness. He says, get righteousness. You know, if you surveyed people and asked them, what are the 10 most important things in your life? You probably wouldn't find the word righteousness showing up on their list. Because, you know, for most folks, Righteousness has kind of a negative connotation. They usually think of self-righteousness, people who kind of look down their noses and wave a bony finger at you if you do something wrong. Well, Paul had found a different kind of righteousness, and it's the kind of righteousness that we all really need. So what is this true righteousness? Well, true righteousness is not found in a list of good deeds. True righteousness is being made right with God. It's being declared not guilty before God it is true spiritual wealth now if that's what righteousness is true spiritual wealth it's this this declaration of innocence before god well how do i get that how do i get righteousness how can i be made right in god's eyes well we got to get back to the basics the basic principles of what it means to follow christ it's the abc's of knowing jesus if you don't get how to get righteousness then you're not going to get any of the things that that Tom and I are talking about. You see, righteousness is something that you cannot earn. No amount of good deeds or good intentions is going to get you righteousness. And righteousness is not something that you can buy. You know, you can be a great philanthropist. It's not going to make you righteous. Righteousness is not something you can learn. You can sit in a seminary and study the Bible 24 hours a day. That's not going to bring you righteousness. The only way to get righteousness is to surrender to it. Because righteousness, being made right with God, that declaration of not being guilty, that only comes through surrendering to God. It is his gift through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Verse 9 of this chapter, Paul says, to be found in him, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, But that kind of righteousness, which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. He's talking about here two different kinds of righteousness. There's self-righteousness, which comes from keeping the law. In essence, it's saying, look what I did. And then there's God's righteousness that comes through faith. And it's saying, look what God has done. It's trusting in what the Lord has done for us when he did for us what we never could do for ourselves and that's where paul had made his mistake because he thought that his human achievements that those were the keys to spiritual wealth but as he tells us here in philippians he ended up feeling bankrupt in spite of all of his achievements he was spiritually bankrupt our achievements should express our spiritual wealth but they can never earn true spiritual righteousness The things we do for God are the result of what God has done for us. God's grace, faith in God's grace, that's where true righteousness comes from. Let me give you a little spiritual accounting term. It's a funny little word. It's the word imputed. And it means to credit something to someone else's account. And that's what the Bible says Jesus did for us. He imputed righteousness to us. It's as though we had an empty bank account and he filled it with an unlimited supply. He imputed his righteousness and filled our bankruptcy with his unlimited wealth of righteousness. It's enough for all of eternity. That's what he's done for us. I'd like to close us in prayer. And as we come to a time of prayer, take a moment and search your heart again. Do you consider the things that were profit do you see them now as a loss compared to what christ has done for you are you counting those as losses and then are you counting christ as true gain lord jesus we're thankful for what you've done for us help us to have the value system of the kingdom of god to see all of our great accomplishments as really in the final analysis just worthless compared to what you have done for us. Teach us how to surrender our lives to your gift of righteousness and then to live our lives for your glory, not in an attempt to earn your favor, but as a response to having been given the gift of your favor already. We thank you for that, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Buddy, thanks for being with us these uh, couple of days. I'll be back tomorrow. We'll be looking together at verses 10 to 11 of Philippians chapter 3.